0: Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon with my co-host Robert Drysdale for another episode of Breaking the Guard. In today's episode, we have IBJJF Black Belt World Champion and ADCC star Muhammad Ali. Not to be confused with the boxing great, <laughs> Muhammad is a, really famous for his high flying throws. I mean, this guy can harai Goshi or Uchimata, just about anybody on the planet had some spectacular matches, and uh, but that's not what we talk about in today's episode. We're only briefly we touch upon when I last saw him at ACC in 2019, but uh, we go into the deeper meaning of martial arts, and I was quite surprised how insightful and uh, wise, I guess you would say, Muhammad is as such a young guy, and he goes into his pursuit of happiness, and Uh, You might not know, but he has a huge following on YouTube and social media. He's like 120,000-something people who follow him, and he's a Portuguese channel. So we talk about that and how he hopes to be useful. You know, it's something that I think a lot of people have lost in this age of, you know, me, 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 and how can I make more money off you? Muhammad is focusing on how he can serve his community and how he can be useful to the people he helps so I, I found that very enlightening and very inspiring and we go into all sorts of things but it's a very nice conversation I think it strikes into the heart of what it means to truly be a martial artist and not just an athlete so I hope you guys enjoy this and perhaps learn something from Mohammed and our conversation so go ahead and tune in before we get started would like to thank one of our sponsors, which is Drysdale BJJ Online. Now, the quarantine is starting to come to an end. Well, hopefully, at least in your area here in Vegas, on Friday, we're free, so to speak. But uh, I'm sure many of you out there are still kind of stuck in there. And one of the best places you can learn information from is Drysdale BJJ Online.com. Robert Drysdale is an amazing instructor. It was the main reason that once I moved here to Vegas, I went straight to him. I actually did a seminar in his school. And before I did the seminar, I took some classes under him and one of his instructors, Marcelo Nunes. And I was so impressed with the way Robert taught and how articulate he was and very detail oriented. And even just the way he ran the practice. It was. Reminded me of how my brother and I and, and great coaches would teach. So it was a no-brainer where I would hang my hat. And his online instructions are no different. It's a great step-by-step process that anybody can follow. And he has a variety of courses that you can choose from. He also has a course from Felipe Andrews, Straight Foot Locks in the Gee, which covers a unique way of doing the straight footlock. It's not the one that you learned from your coach. <laughs> so you're definitely going to want to check that out. Just go to DrysdaleBJJOnline.com to learn more.
1: Hello, everyone. We are back here with the Breaking the Guard podcast. I am Robert Drysdale with my good friend and co-host, David Avaland. We have a very special guest here, uh IBJJF Black Belt World Champion and overall BJJ stud, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: Yeah, it's awesome to to have you on here, Muhammad. It's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was at the ADCC. Yep. Yeah, it was uh you had some great matches out there. I think he, one of the better matches is even with, with Tim, your own teammate.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That was, that was traumatizing, man. Sad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no, no one ever likes to fight a teammate, you know, but ABC does that intentionally. For those of you who don't know that, like, they make you guys fight early on, right? They don't want they, – what they don't want is anyone closing the bracket. They want to make sure that the final is a war. So they, they want to limit the chance of, of teammates fighting each other in the final, which is understandable. I, I get it. But I, I've always hated fighting teammates, man. Like, that's, that's to me, that's never, never something fun.
2: Yeah, 100%. I remember when we were about to fight, I told him, man, please, if you take my back, you get your points, and you get out of that. You know, I don't want you on the pictures on my back. You know, and we fight, we, like, we win, we lose, that's cool, you know, we train every day, we go hard every day, but I think I wasn't ready, man, that thing was a lot of, like, that was intense, because the first thing he did was he jumped on a guillotine, and then I was like, damn, man, like, he's really trying to kill me, you know, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not used to that, you know, so it was kind of, yeah, hard for me to, you know, to process that thing.
1: And, um, you know, Mohamed, one thing we noticed, and just since we're on the ADCC topic, one thing that we noticed is, you know, I think that over the years there's been an increase on the importance of wrestling for ADCC, right? We're seeing more and more of it in some ways. It almost resembles a wrestling match and in, in, obviously less sophisticated, you know, but it's becoming more and more like wrestling. I, the other day I saw an NCAA uh, match from 1937 in wrestling. And I was, like, shocked to see how much it actually looked like. The rules were different, but it looked a lot like ADCC to me. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts, and you agree that it's become more wrestling-oriented? And what's the, what's the importance of wrestling for the, the state of the sport at the moment?
2: Yeah, like, I don't actually think that ADCC is a jiu-jitsu tournament, you know. And a lot of people, when they tell me, oh, is that a jiu-jitsu tournament? I was like, man, it's not, you know, because jujitsu is the only martial arts that you can be comfortable on your back, you know, and when a tournament tell you that you cannot pull guard, that means it's not jujitsu, you know, even though you can still win from the, like, doing guard and stuff, especially for heavier guys, I I wouldn't consider that a jiu-jitsu match, you know, and yeah, I think, man, a lot of jiu-jitsu people are still behind when it comes to posture, you know, wrestling, Like protecting just grip fighting, you know, a lot of people get so stressed out with grip fight and I think that's a big advantage, you know, whoever trains a little more, understand the grip fighting, like the takedowns are not as good, especially because you can go out of bounds and everything, you have the referees kind of, you know, doing their thing. But yeah man like you you are allowed to walk backwards and that's the only difference you know because yeah. in wrestling if you walk backwards you you got you somebody else scores so but I, yeah man I think for sure wrestling is a thing especially when it goes to like final rounds oh my god wrestling's the thing man yeah,
3: yeah I think what you're saying particularly the moving backwards is kind of a big deal I know in your match with uh, Nick Rodriguez there were a lot of takedowns that went out of bounds, and there was quite a few of them where you were on top at the end, but then it's a, they don't call points or anything. And to me, I, I know I harp on this uh, every other episode, I think, about Robert, but, like, I think out of bounds should be scored, you know? Like, if I push somebody out of bounds, point, you know? Because you're right in the sense that you're allowed to walk backwards, so there's no penalty. And that means more people go out of bounds all the time. And particularly in heavyweight matches, you know, there's a lot of out of bounds going on because of the the wrestling emphasis. Nobody wants to be on their back. You know, you get someone like Orlando Sanchez, you don't want to be, you don't want that guy on top of you, you know, so it becomes a wrestling match. And I think without penalties for going out of bounds, it just makes those matches much harder. Like, I don't always see, like, the winner of these matches as the better grappler. It was just, you know, how... Uh, I don't know how to put it light, politely, but it's just like people who game the rules better, who knew when they run out of bounds versus
2: how to, when to stay in bounds. Yeah, we would call that malandraging in Portuguese. It, it, it's funny because in some specific um, fights, you see that when they go out of bounds, they come back to the same position. Like the, the big example was Yuri versus Kainan, right? When Kainan kind of forces the situation outside, Yuri gets mad. But at the end of the day, Kainan was right, you know? Like, he was fighting under the rules. And then when we have fights like mine, when I was fighting Nick Rod, I end up on his back, the same exact situation. And then they come back, put it back in the middle, like both standing up, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of very tricky, especially because they're ADCC. Referees, they're not really referees. You know, they do other things. In two years, they're doing other things and then one day they show up to ref an ADCC match, you know? And somebody who's been training two years to do that thing, you know, you, you have to accept whatever, you know? So that's hard. You had a problem with that too, right? With Toquinho, like, um, <laughs> it's very, it's very, very, very hard for you to train for ADCC. There smart people like Gordon and Nikki, but people who only train no I think they're very smart, man. Because if you're trying, if your dream is to become a ADCC world champion and you train submissions only, and you use that gap that we have, we are the people who train for gi for BJJF rules. We have gaps, you know. Again, you know. So these people who trains uh, just for no gi, they have a big advantage, man. And they're very smart, you know. I think they should they should do what they're doing, you know. So what what's yeah. your
1: take on? Because the, the the one thing that I think that uh, I, I think I don't know if this is what you were you meant by by advantage, is that there's a there's a body of techniques that are currently forbidden in most gi rule sets, or really all of them, uh, namely the heel hooks. And I would agree with you that there's there's a lot of there's efficiency there, right? my opinion, goes, you know, wherever there's efficiency, that's where our martial arts should be leaning towards. So if it works, it should be assimilated, and that should be our guiding north. Like we're always striving for improvement on the martial art with that being said you know it is a blind spot for a lot of competitors that aren't used to competing with that rule set what how much of a how much of an effect do you think that heel hooks have had in the last couple ADCCs because I think personally I think it's real but at the same time I think it got blown a little out of proportion I think that the rear naked choke is still the king of submissions but like no one notices the rear naked choke because they're so used to it we take it for granted but I think there's certainly been an increase. On, on heel hooks in the, at the ATC level. And I wanted to hear you talk about that a little bit and how you feel about that, because most competitors are not familiar with it.
2: Yeah, I, I actually won a match doing a heel hook. My first match uh, on the Absolute was a heel hook win for me. And I also lost the Absolute by a heel hook, you know. It was a little weird because I was training with Cyborg and people of the heavy people, you know. So with heavy people, you basically have to get your knee free keep turning towards the, your, wherever your heel are going, you, go, you follow them, and then eventually you're going to be out, you know? And sometimes eventually you're going to have a gap to scramble and take the back, right? But then I fought a very small guy who ends up like when you kick them, when you kick the leg, they come with you, you know? So it's kind different of to, different to defend from a heavy person and a little person. But, as you say, I don't think it's that big of a deal. If you understand, of course, if you're finding a guy who trains that for 12 months a year, it's going to be hard. But that's regardless. That's any technique. You know, if you find, like, Philippe Andrew, like, Kina, I always say, man, nobody get, nobody ever going to count call me, call me in on triangles, right? And then Philippe, man, he did it, right, on the finals. Like, Kina wasn't. Going easy, he was going hard. That was the final of the absolute or Europe's European Championship. So that applies to anything, you know. If you train Hello uh, choke and somebody, you know, you are gonna you're gonna you're gonna, call, you're gonna call them. So that's what I think about Hugh hook summer. It's just like another submission, but you have to put the time to feel and understand the feeling of the like. Where is the where are I supposed to worry about that? And when should I defend, you know, before it gets too late, you know? And with heel hooks, we don't know the limit. We actually don't have limit. When you notice, you already hurt. So that's why people are very afraid of that. And that's why I think it's forbidden on IBJJF.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a dangerous technique. And But as we've seen, like, being ignorant of it just makes you more, like, liable to get hurt by it. So you just have to have smart training partners and and go slow with it, you know, to, to learn the, and practice yeah, until, it. Yeah,
2: until you know how to defend and everything, and how to apply, too, because yeah. you can put a certain amount of pressure, and also, if they don't know how to defend, you can release, right? Yes. But you you need to understand a little better before you can, you know, play with that.
3: Yeah, I know, like, when training with heel hooks, I let go of more heel hooks than I finish just because of what you're saying. Sometimes people go the wrong way. I'm like, well, I don't want to break my toys. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? One thing I, I you, you mentioned, and I think that's, you know, and I, and I feel like very strongly about this. It is just another position. The thing is, like we when something new comes about, we tend to put it on top of the hierarchy because we tend to see the world in hierarchies. Right. The new outdoes the old. So, for example, when Bering bolos came about, that was the greatest sweep in the world. Like everyone's very bolos. That's all my students wanted to do. They didn't want to learn anything else. And then i think it was bjj heroes released some statistics on uh, uh, on jiu-jitsu and it was statistics by like two or three uh years on all the black belt matches at the world championship and barren were like four percent of the sweeps they were well below closed guard and, and and half guard and what that suggests to me is that a lot of times the trend becomes like such a loud voice in the community it takes over the whole story when in fact what's really going on is that much of what we consider to be basic and fundamental is still the overwhelming majority of the story so, But anything that you put a lot of time and emphasis into, you're going to get good at, right? And people tend to put a lot of the focus on Bering Bolo when they came out. I think the heel hook, it's, it has, something similar is happening. And I think that's why it's, it's had such a dominant presence in the last two, three years. But I think that like, you give it another three, four years, and it's going to be like, like, just like the Bering Bolo. Everyone's going to learn how to shut it down. And it's not going to be a novelty anymore. It's just going to be part of the arsenal.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I I believe a lot of energy, too, man. Like, sometimes when somebody gets you in a position or something, you feel their energy. Like, this guy is not trying to tap me out. He's trying to break my foot. And you can feel that. You can sense that. It's it's just like a fighter can understand energy, you know? And that's when you're going to fear somebody or respect somebody because they're not trying to make you tap. They're trying to break your limbs, you know? And as soon as you feel that, you feel a little insecure, you know, and, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. They think only the techniques and the strength, but jujitsu and sports are way more than that. And when you are focused, when you sacrifice a lot, when you go to the tournament and you know everything that you sacrifice for, you have a different kind of energy. And all the other fighter can sense that and can feel that. And nobody can explain that to anybody who never been there fighting, you know? And I think heel hooks are something like that, too. You kind of feel the energy from the person. Some heel hooks, I'll turn, spin, 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 and get out eventually. But some other heel hooks, I'm going to, oh, my God, they're going to, they're trying to break my, my foot or my knee or whatever. So a lot of people, when they white belts or blue belts, they don't understand energy. And that's a big deal, too, man. Like, if somebody mount on you, and they get the first grip strong enough, man, you're gonna know at that point that, man, is over. You know, that, that just the energy that they put on the grip, even on the grip fighting, judo or anything, the energy that the person put on the submission, on, on the grip, gonna make the other fighter feel. And if the other fighter doesn't have the same energy, they're gonna feel, man, feel like they're gonna respect or fear just that grip, you know? And that's a big deal too. And a lot of people don't talk about that, you know.
1: I know you're talking about, though. the energy. <laughs> when someone's trying to hurt you, you can tell. You
2: like you, you can. <laughs> I, remember, I remember, man, 2000, I think 2013, I was there waiting for my match, and I watched, I, I saw Buchecha waiting to fight Rodolfo, right? Man, this guy was sitting down on the stairs by the pyramid. He was on the stairs. He was doing nothing, man. He was, like, head down listen to his music, but you could almost see his energy, man. You could almost visualize, you know, that the guy was about to go to war or something, you know. And a lot of people, they never reach their potential, you know. They never, they never, they're so worried about techniques or strength or whatever. And when they get there, Mario Hayes once said something on his video was like, man, it doesn't matter if you train a lot, if you leave your heart at home. You know, and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, and I like to say always that to beginners because, man, that's a big deal too. You know,
1: yeah.
3: You know, you speak the. the I think that's what a lot of people also call as the aura, right? Like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you you think that one fighter I could think of was Fedor Emelianenko. When he was the last emperor fighting in pride, he had that aura when he was just smashing everybody, and. When he took his time off because of the failed negotiations, so trying to get M1 and the UFC to co-promote, I think it was too many years sitting on the shelf. And when he came back, he didn't have that same aura anymore. You know? And it goes both ways, like you're saying, because the competitors can detect that. And when they see that aura of confidence around you, it, it shakes you. You're like, oh, this guy is really sure of himself versus somebody who doesn't have that. Even though they look the same, they don't. You can feel the difference. You know, you you can know
2: feel what? Them. Everybody can point, feel them.
1: I, I just reminded that the, the Mayweather-Pacquiao, when Pacquiao was just murdering everyone, Mayweather wouldn't fight him. And then after a while, like, you know, Pacquiao kind of lost his momentum there. He got knocked out, and then he'll fall, he fought him, you know? And I think that it's something If you're right. Fighters sense this. Like, they have this aura about them, and you can see when they're on the way down. And it's hard to explain. It might be body language. I don't know if it's body language. I don't know if it's how aggressive they are. I don't know if it's how they warm up. I can't really explain it, but like I know exactly what you guys are talking about. And you can feel when someone's on their way up and when someone's on their way down.
3: Well I mean look at uh Mike Tyson, right? He always had the early Mike Tyson, you look at them and like people say it's like being in the room with a tiger. You don't know what's gonna happen. He might eat you, or <laughs> yeah.
2: and 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 man, that's in every sport.
1: Yeah. If
2: you if you if you watch Michael Phelps, if you watch Usain Bolt, you know before they compete, you can you can sense something. And I've never experienced that in person, but man, I could sense that. And I remember in 2016 Olympics, right? I went to watch uh, in in Rio, Jordan Bullhawks, right? And man, this guy was he was the the Olympic champion, you know, and there were this Russian dude, man. He was in there, they're getting ready to fight each other, and Jordan was the favorite, right? But man, the other guy, he wasn't doing anything. You know, Russians, they just you know, but man, I could kind of feel his energy. And it was crazy. He just won the fight, you know, like nobody ever I, I didn't hear about about the guy before the match. You know, and I remember in the finals he cut his face and everything, all messed up, but he still won. You know, so that's every sport, man. If you see like Ayrton Senna and all these people, man, they have something else. It's not, it's not just the technique. You know, it's something else. You know, and I think that's what carries carries you when you're tired. You know, when you're fatigued during training camp. Like I'm, I'm, my energy is kind of up now because, man, now I will be in California, man, losing weight to fight worlds. You know, and it's kind of crazy, man, for me like now, May, and I'm not training to fight worlds. You know, it's kind of weird. And man, yeah, the energy is everything, man. How do you train that? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you you can. You have like guys like Napoleon Hill would say the burning desire, right? I don't think you train that. I think you create habits, you know, to get better every single day. And you see a big goal, a big, task, a big task ahead of you. And the adrenaline, you know, the preparation, the sacrifices mixed with adrenaline. And the challenge, too. You know, because if you feel that it's too easy, it's not going to be the same. You know, so when you watch guys like Jacare getting ready to fight Roger, they knew then it will, be, it will be tough, you know? So they would mix everything inside of them, you know, and put the whole, I don't know, man, it's like getting ready to die, you know? If you're going to war, you feel, man, I'm, I, I can die in two minutes or three minutes, so I'm going to fight with everything that I can, you know? So I think that's the feeling. I kind of felt, I kind of felt that when I was brown belt, you know, but I couldn't feel that yet on the black belt. And I wish my life is to search and try to find that you know that fire again, man. Because it's so good. It feels so good, man. Yeah, it, it,
3: it's hard to say like step one, like how to get like yeah. that's what they say how to get heart, right? Like well, there's no step by step tutorial because I think it's the process is different. Uh, if we're talking about aura, I think what aura is is a, a sense of confidence, a sense of belief in yourself and what you're and what you're capable and willing to do. Like Ali, what you just said, like you're willing to die when you go in there and fight. That's a a belief and you have a mission that you've put behind it as well, Like you're going out there to fight to the best of your ability and hopefully to get that that W. But what motivates everybody is very different, right? Like some people are motivated by fame. Some are motivated by challenge. Some are motivated by the money, you know. So it's hard to say, like, what's going to take that person to the next level and then on top of that is also the belief like what gets you to believe in yourself some people read books and they get motivated some people need to watch other people some people need someone to pump them up and you know hype them up and have a hype man and get them you know my brother you have to slap him in the face a couple times before a match and he'll get psyched so i think everybody's very different uh uh, that's what makes it challenging, right? Because if there was a step-by-step process, somebody would be a millionaire already, right?
2: Selling it it changes. And it changes for the same person too. Yes. I'll give you an example. Before I had my daughter, it it was a whole different kind of motivation, you know? And as soon as she was born, I was another person. As soon as I hold her, man, she looked in my eyes. I was like, oh, my God. I didn't expect that, but I, I became another person. So my motivation, my whole way to think about myself and the world changed. So now you have to refine yourself somewhere and you don't know where, you know. So the guy like the Buchecha who fought Rodolfo 10 years ago is not the same guy, but he's still winning, you know. So that's why it's so beautiful to watch him because he reinvented himself so many times, man. And that's so beautiful, you know.
1: But, you know, um... Yeah, I, I. It's interesting you mentioned that about Buchecha, But Like I, I remember the the, the early Bouchesha that was winning the first few world titles. It's a different guy. Yeah. You can tell. You can tell it's a different guy, even though he's probably better technically and he's heavier, right? Like he's gotten heavy. he's gotten bigger. Still, just as fast. But there's something about since the, the key word of this conversation is the aura, and I think that's an appropriate term. Which I I, I get puzzled. I'm going to go to bed tonight thinking about how is it that we know because we know.
2: You no, know, yeah.
1: that makes us sure. know, you know, but you can you can sense that there's something different about these guys. And I think it does happen I, I, as we get older. I think one thing that might explain that is maturity. I think as you become more mature, you lose some of that recklessness, you know, that uh, that 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 anger, like that boldness. You know, like I, what I was I interviewed Hobson Gracie for the documentary a couple of years ago. And I, I, every time I spoke to the grandmasters, I asked the grandmasters a question. I go like this. What's give me some life advice? You know these men's are 90 they're me in the future they're us in the future they're jiu-jitsu people right and I asked him what give him some life advice and Hobson Gracie goes like this while you're young make sure I just yeah live your life in con- uh, uh, being consequential in your life that's what he said and I think he's talking about this boldness of it uh, being reckless and not being scared of like dying in there if you have to where something happens when you have a daughter and I know how you feel mom because like, that's what happened to me once you have your kids you go like whoa it's You're not the most important thing in the world. You can't just die in there anymore. Whereas before, you are willing to die in there. Now it's like, okay, I got other things I got to worry about. I can't die in there anymore. And your thought process does change. Um, I normally recommend my students don't have kids until they're ready to retire. Because to <laughs> me, I felt that. Like, it was a big change. Like, my mindset changed dramatically once I had kids. I think that's one factor, not the only one.
2: And BJ Penn said that, too, in his book. He said after he had his first daughter, he was never the same fighter. He could never be the bad guy like he used to be because he he used to proud himself of being bad, a bad person. So as soon as he had his first kid, he was like, man, now I need to make this world better for my daughter, you know, and he could never be the same guy anymore. So he eventually, of course, he kept fighting and training and everything. But he said he was not the same person. And I'm the same way, man, like after her. It's weird because I can never explain that for somebody who don't have kids, and if you have kids, I don't have to explain that to you, you know. So it's kind of it, it changes, man. It changes. It's it's funny. It's good. You know, it's life. You know.
3: It's funny. You mentioned, that. I think I've told this story before, but my brother before he had his kids, I remember it was a week before his first uh, kid, his daughter Amira, and I went up to him and go, "Hey, Marcos, you're you're ready for this? You're excited?" He's like, "For what?" I'm like, oh right, you're going to have your kid in one week. It's like, ah, it's no big deal. I'm like, no big deal? What are you talking about, man? And I, 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 kid, you know, he goes, man, that's some loser shit people say that have nothing going on in life, and the best contribution they have is pumping out a kid, right? I'm like, bro, I don't know about that, man. Like, even from a, even without a religious aspect, just from a scientific level, this is your purpose in life, is to yeah. create life, you know, yeah. and- I think your your life's gonna change when you see that kid, and it's gonna be, he's like, ah, that's bullshit, I'm like whatever. But sure enough, a week later, <laughs> I see him in the delivery room crying. <laughs> he's like, it hit me, you know, it hit me.
2: Man, I, I didn't guess the expect best way,
3: yeah, the best way he described it is that he felt the extremes of every emotion possible from a complete joy and elation to fear and anxiety, and you know, like, because now he's responsible for this small, thing that can easily die with bad care, you know? But yeah, he totally changed, you know? Yeah, and I, I, think, I
2: remember. Yeah. I remember myself being in the room because I had my baby here, and my whole family is in Brazil, right? So I was kind of by myself on the on the hospital. But the same day, in the morning, I woke up, I went there, it was delivery day, right? So I went to the hospital, we went to the hospital, we're happy and everything. And I didn't feel much. It was like, okay, you know, because a, a dad is not a dad until he's born. Yeah. A mother, as soon as it's, she's pregnant, she's already a mom, you know, and we are not. So I was like, man, maybe I am maybe I don't have the sensibility or maybe I'm, you know, too cold hearted and everything. Man, she is supposed to be in the room to take the anesthesia, right? So they go first. And then we stayed in another room by, like, I was by myself in the other room waiting, right? Man. Next thing I knew, I was crying. One minute seemed to be an hour. I was like, oh, my God, something happened. I called my mom. My mom didn't reply. You oh know, God. Oh my, Man, listen. I was about to die, you know? And I got so mad at the hospital because I didn't have a nurse to myself. You know, she had she had everything. I didn't have a nurse. I "I need a doctor here. I'm dying, you know. And then eventually, they invited me to the room. I went there, all nervous. You know, everything was all right. And the doctor told me, "Hey man, you better sit down because I'm not gonna carry your big ass. (laughs) If you if if you pass out, I'm not gonna carry you. You better sit down." I said, "I sat down, man." As soon as I hear that "Ah," that cry, man, the whole thing changed. I was I was like. I tell my friends, man, I born that day. It wasn't just her; it was me, another me. You know, it's so good, man. It's crazy.
3: That that's great, and I think what you're saying is true. That uh, you were talking about, you have to reinvent yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's true for all the champions in the sport. Like the moment you stand still and you know stay where you're at, people are climbing up and they're getting ready to beat you. I think that's one thing that. George Saint Pierre did well. He never stopped training, you know, and he's always been improving on his skill set and doing things. You know, like you see him now, he does a lot of acrobatic stuff, like in the water and flips. But like, he's always improving, you know. And I think that's the thing that's hard to be a champion is because you once you're at the top, a lot of people are satisfied with where they're at. They're like, "I made it. This was my goal," and they didn't think beyond that, right? Because Becoming the champion is already such a high goal, such a difficult thing to do that I think most people never even think, well, how many title defenses am I going to have? Or, you know, what's going to be my legacy besides being just a one-time champ?
2: And, uh, and, every, and everything changes, man. Money changed, you know. Like before when, I, before, when I first came to America, I remember, man, I blew my knee for a $1,000 tournament. It was a thousand dollar tournament. I got in the heel hook. I was spinning, 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 got out, won the tournament, one thousand dollars. I thought I was rich, you know. <laughs> so, money changes, man. Then, eventually, gonna somebody's gonna tell you, hey, man, you're gonna travel to, to make one thousand. Then, you're gonna, mm, I don't know about it. And, and, and it increases, you know, that's yeah. human. And with champions, it's the same thing like being a champion is good, okay. And then you have our other responsibilities, you know? And that's why we have to uh, man, admire these Boucherches, Rodgers, no, like Leandro, uh, Lucas Lepre, man. The guy won his first title and then he waited seven years to win again, man. Yeah. That's you know, true. he won his first, came to America, and then he was every single year trying for seven years. Can you imagine that, man? Now he's Lucas Leopard. You know, and there's a reason why he's Lucas Lepre, you know? And yeah, man, I love history about sports because, man, it's so amazing how people can reinvent themselves, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing. It's not just winning, beating other people, being bad, better or whatever. It's the ability to, man, when something is bad, I go back home and train more and get better, you know? And it's not only the training. It's the mindset, too. Because, as you say, if they do the same thing that they did 10 years ago, it's not going to work today. So you have to stay ahead, you know, and that's beautiful, man.
3: Let me ask you uh, something, because I know, I think I was around when you had just moved from Brazil to, the U- to Maryland and you were training with uh, Lloyd Irvin. You were a brown belt, I believe, at the time. Is that correct?
2: When you came here, I
3: don't remember, I think
2: I was, yeah, I think so, I think Rombel, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I know, because I know how Lloyd works in the sense that he always works to educate you just beyond martial arts, and, yes, I, sir. and, and I know you You have an amazing following online, you have a huge YouTube channel and Instagram and all that, I just wanted to get your thoughts, because unfortunately I don't speak Portuguese, <laughs> a lot yeah. of people miss out on, but I know you have a tremendous following there, and... It's a lot of self-help stuff from what I've seen in motivational chats. So, like, tell us a little bit about that. What got you started on that?
2: Okay, so he's great, man. Like, Lloyd, he can sense your ability to do something even before you can sense it. You know, even before you can see it. I remember when I first got here, we were in the car going to New York to fight a tournament, right? My English were pretty bad but I was the best English speaker in the group. You know, three guys. <laughs> my English is horrible, but it's better than these guys, you know? So I was the one who we, he, he would talk to me all the time. And I kind of told him, like, what I did in Brazil, how my life, how I was there growing up and everything. And I remember, man, brown, I was Purple Belt. And then he told me, man, you need to write a book. And then I was like, Man, this guy is crazy. <laughs> Write a book? I wouldn't read my own book. You know, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to read something like that. That's normal, you know. But I didn't understand the cultural difference. Like that's normal for us in Brazil to have stories like that. But i like a lot in a lot of other places. There are different kind of stories. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different, right? So he told me that what six years ago, and then I was like, oh, okay, okay, whatever, you know. So. I I didn't want to hear, you know, so eventually he starts saying stuff here and there that would make sense. But he wasn't trying to make me change. He was just planting seeds on my heart, on my mind, you know, for me to think about it, you know. So I think that's the great part about him and about my things that are doing Brazil was that I always thought that Brazilians shouldn't leave Brazil, you know, and then, next thing I knew, I was living here. <laughs> I was like, man, Brazilians should stay here. If we stay together, we're going to still dominate. Because my mind was MMA, you know, and I didn't understand why Brazilians came here to teach Americans. I didn't understand the adult life, right? And then I was living here, man. In my mind, I was like, man, I have to help my friends, right? Because they're still there, you know, and I have to make sure that they see and experience what I'm experiencing here. So I started to make videos and i remember i would have 50 people watching you know and i would imagine oh my god Im- imagine 50 people here watching you know me talking because i wasn't an instructor so i wasn't used to being you know the main attention and my friends didn't watch my stuff man <laughs> i got I got so sad, but I kept doing it, you know, and eventually became a hundred and then 500 and then a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, you know, and it's, it's fun man. and I feel useful, you know, because I could just do stuff in English would be nice. You know, I would make a little money, but in my mind, I was like, man, I have to help myself 10 years ago, five years ago, you know, and that's how it started. Now, um, Man, now now it's a little different, you know, because because I won worlds, I actually got somewhere. But I was kind of man. I'm here. I don't know what I'm gonna get. I don't know if I'm gonna win this. If I'm gonna fight MMA. If I'm gonna fight Jiu-Jitsu. But I'm trying to help, you know. And that's what happened, you know. And nowadays, man, I'm I'm doing good over there, you know. And I feel useful, and that's the biggest thing, you know.
3: I, you know, what you're saying there speaks very true that. Um... I think the fact that you're enjoying what you're doing and you're being genuine you're, because you're very sincere and you know you are exactly as you portray yourself you know that, that I've had the pleasure of training with you and coaching you I haven't trained with you yet I think I've only coached you <laughs> I think you've run me in the ground <laughs> I train with you because you're one of the people I think the first guys I saw that man this guy looks like the Batman cartoon <laughs> <was a> Batman <laughs> show like Jesus Christ but, uh, I think that's awesome that what you've been doing. I think the fact that you stayed uh, speaking to Brazilians, I think that was probably a better thing because they can identify with you more since you're coming from there. And it's probably a segment that's not as targeted, you know, because most of the Americans are only
2: going after American, you know. But it's good. But it's good now that, like, I watch now with these quarantine things, I watch Cabrinha doing Portuguese content, man. And that made me so happy, you know, because he was the guy who he would never speak Portuguese publicly, mm-hmm. you know, and some people even think he's American. So in my mind, was kind of good for me that I did all that and I had so good some good results that Brazilians now are going back, you know, and they actually doing both. They're doing hybrid content. And that makes me so happy, you know. And I eventually want to do in English too. You know, I was actually talking to Lloyd this morning. You know, I, I, I'm i thinking about so many things. Especially now in quarantine, you have more time to think. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, I have to come up with something. Because now, the money difference is so crazy. that you, If you make a thousand reais, that's like $300. You know? So, it's so crazy that... I think it's 200 <laughs> yeah, Even less, right? Even less. So, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. And... I want to do English, but, you know, I want to do a little bit here, too, now. And I, I think it's great because everybody now is doing both and that helps everybody. And we have a lot of talent in Brazil, man. And I think we shouldn't forget that. Of course, now it's harder to get to America with Trump closing the borders for Brazilians and everything. But I, I hope eventually things get better too, normal, you know.
3: Yeah. How, how are things? Are you, You're still in Maryland right now?
2: i'm in virginia i live in virginia
3: virginia virginia yeah, now, uh-huh. how is the, the whole covid thing there are you locked down or man
2: i today went to the trail i was I, I was doing a mountain bike and it was open oh nice you know and i think i think we just reached phase one so it's pretty it's pretty um i wouldn't say good man i would yeah, say better. Pretty, yeah it's <laughs> okay. better, than yeah. Yeah, you know. better than
3: before yeah yeah, I, I just got my first haircut in three months. I think. Oh my god! Man. <laughs> but they, they oh make you wear a mask. You know? They're like, I'm oh like I got to wear a mask. I mean, like, the guy has his hands all over my face. You know? But like, whatever. Okay.
1: Oh no, my my, my guy didn't want me. He wanted me to, to to trim my beard with the mask on. I'm like, no way. You got to mess it up, man. Like, he, yeah, he, he, yeah. He didn't want to do my beard, man. I'm Like, dude, this is. I came here for the beard. But. <laughs> yeah, Muhammad. Like you, um, you have like a, you've had a very su- uh, successful career in BJJ, and you did mention MMA. Is that something that's still on the on the horizon, or how how do you feel about that these days?
2: I don't think so, man. I I love watching MMA, but I I hate watching when they do crazy stuff like that they with Verdun last weekend, two weeks ago. You know, like he won the match, and you know it's just a little bit like ADCC. You know, they do whatever they want. And another part about MMA that I don't like, and I think I wouldn't be able to survive for many years doing that, is trash talk, man. You know, since I train hard, I know you train hard too, so I, I appreciate you, man, just being there, you know, for me. And to have to promote the fights like that, I don't think that's my thing. You know, even though I like, I like training MMA better than I like training Jiu-Jitsu, I love grouting, pounding. Oh, my God. I love so many things about MMA. But I don't think that's my thing. You know, like the money can be better, but it's not going to be better for most people. You know, and that's something that people get confused to. They think, oh, my God, just because you do MMA, you're rich. And that's not true. Yeah. And if you don't fight, you don't make money, you know. And, they, and the people who are watching you, they want to watch you compete. They don't want to learn from you. Yeah, and That's the difference. In jiu-jitsu, people, even though you can... Of course, make money fighting, but people still want to learn from you, you know, and appreciate you. And you, ha- and you can have like a less stressful lifestyle, you know, you and your students, you know, people who admire you, you admire them. So I think it's better, man. Jiu-jitsu is just better in every single aspect, you know. That's I agree. a that's a good difference you point out too, as
3: far as the the spectators, because, like you said, jujitsu is a very participant heavy sport. Like the people who watch jujitsu are also training and sometimes competing. But MMA, it's a very small fraction that actually train. You have a lot of guys that just yelling,
2: punch them in the face. Oh my god, <laughs> they drunk, they, they all drunk. They want to see you dying, you know? Yeah, man, it's different, you know. Well, I would say you.
3: It, you might entertain the possibility of one FC, because they yeah, have a they, very they, different
2: culture. Right? And I like what I'm seeing from. I them. I like work. them too. I like them too. I have I have a couple friends here that fight them, and yeah, man, they big too, man. They're very big. They yeah. huge, over it's, there.
3: Yeah, and the, they're they're trying to make oh headway here God. in the US, but oh the biggest God. organization martial arts as far as like the proliferation I think they had a chart of the, the most broadcasted sports. And they were in the top, I think they were number five or number six. Man. So, I mean, it's it's big time, you know. And uh, I do like that, like you said, because that's something that the Asian mixed martial arts world always had, which was respect. You very, very rarely saw people trash talking. I think besides Rampage, you know, that was about it. Rampage was the one guy that was talking a lot of crap and pride, you know, and that was his shtick. But everybody else was very respectful.
2: And I, I mean, that. they would fight. They would fight on the elevators, you know? No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> But yeah, they yeah. would not, not fight. They, they would not talk trash, but they would fight on the elevators, you know? They would fight in the dining room and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, 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 a, it's a cultural difference,
1: right? Between the East and West, right? Like that. In, in the West, it's a, it's a bar fight, it's not a ceremony. Or isn't like I've always felt like Pride is all my all time favorite event because in Pride you felt that it was, it was a huge event, but it was also a ceremony. It was two Warriors engaging in combat. I never got that feel from the UFC. Whenever I Yay. watched the UFC, it was, more, uh, it was more pro wrestling than it was a ceremony to me. You know, it reminded me more of a boxing or a pro wrestling match, which is they're good at selling tickets, but. I don't know, man. I like the, the the the. There's there's something very special about like uh, a room full of people who truly respect the fighters, and they're there to watch a, bar, a form of art, right? Whereas in UFC, I think they just look at it as a bar fight.
2: Yeah, yeah. and they and they want it to be like a bar fight. You know, yeah. they that's what they want. They expect something to go wrong. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and yeah, yes. man. And and if we like because. The samurais, right, in Japan, or the, the, the Buddhas, you know, the monkeys, they teach the society how to deal with the hard part, you know, like now. I, I, I tell my friends, man, like if you train jiu jitsu, man, and there is a fight, everybody's gonna look at you for guidance, you know, and if you freak out, man, come on, you're a fighter. You, you're supposed to be calm and understand, you know, and handle the situation. And I think fighters should, especially now with the mainstream attention, we should teach people how to live better, man. Like, man, why would you get out of the car and fight somebody else in the traffic? They could have a gun. You know, they could just beat your ass, you know? Like, please, man, like, be understand yourself. Like, try to put a little oxygen in your brain. Breathe, breathe, man. You're going to feel better, you know? And I don't think we do what we're supposed to do when it comes to... Teaching people the philosophy. You know, and a lot of times you're just trying to sell DVDs, man. Buy my DVD, buy my DVD, man. Man, come on. Let me show you what I learned in 10 years training. It's not just techniques, you know. And I think that's one, something that we are not doing right because the immigration, we came to America, we want that money, we want this, we want that. But man, come on, like martial arts, man, we have to. I mean, we don't have to. Nobody has to do anything. But I think we should and we could help people, man. Just, man, c- calm down, man. Everything's you know going to be all right.
1: It, it, it's, it's one thing that you just mentioned. I, I've been saying this in a lot of the podcasts I've been on about the documentary. Because learning about the history of judo and uh, the, the development of BJJ from judo and so on, it made me notice one thing I had never paid attention to. I had never realized that. And you just kind of touched on it a little bit is that BJJ as an art lacks a philosophical cornerstone. We don't have it. Our philosophy is surf culture. It's, it's what I call the Hakuna Matata culture. It's like flip-flops, board shorts, acai after the practice. And it's something very endearing, like it is fun. But like we don't have that philosophical, that Confucian uh, uh, cornerstone that is so present in Japanese society, the respect, the hierarchy, the honor. Honor is such an important word in the Japanese vocabulary. You don't hear it in the Western vocabulary. You don't hear it in Portuguese. Like, no one even uses the word. Like, you know what the word means, but it doesn't come up in conversation because it's not something important to people. And like, BJJ is very deficient in that regard. Like, we don't have that, right? And I wonder how how cohesive the art of BJJ will be in the next 50, 100 years because we don't have that. Whereas judo, I think the judo is, I think it's going to be around forever.
2: And the culture is that I didn't learn that, I create that mm. in jiu-jitsu. And if you create it, there is no history. You, do, you like. I believe that every master has a master, you know? Every master has a master. So in order in sports or even yoga, man, if you go to yoga, they always gonna respect the yogis, right, the old guys and everything. And in meditation, you're gonna have somebody. So in jiu-jitsu, we kinda wanna create something so we can sell more dvds we yeah. can make more seminars you know and it's cool it's fun like everybody gotta survive but i think man every time you say man i learned this from the source you know I, there is a source and i went there and learned from the source and i'm very grateful for that and that creates to students oh my god so now you're passing the source for me, you went there, you learn, now you're passing. Now I have the responsibility to pass to my students too. You know, so there's a whole different mentality. It's not gonna make you poor, man. You can still sell DVDs like that, you know, because you have the information from the source. If you watch guys like Valentes Brothers, you know, that's all they say, you know, if you agree or not, it's all the thing. But they say, man, I learned from Helio Gracie. And you should be able to defend yourself in a street fight or whatever they say. And they're kind of doing this. We have the source, and that's the source. I'm giving you the information from the source. And I think that's very important, man. That's why I admire these guys. I watch them. I want to go there and learn from them a little bit. Because, yeah, I think we don't have that as much, you know?
3: I think a lot of people feel that if they give credit to somebody else for something they learned, then it takes away from them, right? Because they they like feeling like I'm the guru, I'm the guy that was a genius and I put everything together, and you need to come to me for everything, you know. Versus, yeah, I'm sorry, and but you know what you say is true. Like nobody, there's very few people that created. An initial idea by themselves, and and those are what I would consider true geniuses. These are people. And even and even if
2: you did, you had to get somewhere. Yeah. So everywhere you look, there is somebody else's hard work to help you. Yes. On the iPhone, on the computer, on the cars, on the streets, you know, on the houses, man. Everything you look around is somebody else's effort. You know. So we have to understand that and be grateful, man. You know. Even the sun and everything else, you know, the trees, the other animals, the nature, you know, everything comes to make sure your life was possible. You know, if you're here, you have to thank somebody. You know, yeah. so in a lot of times we don't think about that. That's why sometimes we get depressed, man, because we don't see the meaning of we are kids and then we eventually we become parents. And that's life, man. You know, we're not here forever.
1: Yeah. That's
2: a good point, man.
1: I, I think that, you know, you just touched on something that people miss out on. But I think that you what you you what you, the main point there is that you can see an evolution in yourself as a former a competitor to becoming someone that acknowledges that to become a complete martial artist. You have to have a far deeper understanding of people, nature, and life. And it's part of the evolution. Like sometimes, because I, I, I feel like about... Martial arts, the same way you do. Like, I do feel that I'm in a moment in my life where I can appreciate other things as part of the journey, and it's not just about the metal and the technique. But if I heard myself when I was 20 years old talking like this, I'd be ashamed <laughs> of myself. I'd be like, shut the fuck up, old man. You sound like, it sounds like nonsense but you're, because when you're young, you're arrogant, and the only thing that matters is victory, right? But it does say something about the evolution uh, um, of yourself as a person and as a competitor. And I think it's a natural process. Like, you go through these stages and, And I really, the word I use is improvement or evolution. Like there's no way out of it. Like it's not, I would have seen it 20 years ago. It's differently. But what also reminds me that try to tell this to a 20 year old, is kind of a waste of your breath because they're not going to understand you. So I don't waste, like I'll give you the message, but they don't want to hear it. They think you're crazy and they don't see the, they're not ready for it. Like there's certain things that you're not ready for in life. So I think it's really cool to leave the message out there, but, don't waste your breath on people that don't want to hear it, man. Because some people
2: just aren't at the right place in their life. 100%. 100%. And uh, what, what, too, what we have to sell, I think, sometimes, is happiness. Yeah. You know, because we try, if we try to sell money, like, hey, man, do this and you're going to be a millionaire. And people think, they believe they're going to be eventually happy when they get that money. Mm. And they're going to work hard, they're going to get there, and then, okay, now what? Because they didn't think about getting it, and they eventually they're gonna get. If you're smart, if you work hard, if you plant the seeds, if you have the mentors and everything, you're gonna get. But you're not, you're not ready to be happy sometimes. And that was me. That was myself. with winning worlds. I won worlds, and then I felt empty for some reason. And I was like, man, why did I miss? Because I, tr- I worked for this ten years, man, and then I got here and. I should be super happy. Something magical should su- supposed to be happening right now. And it's not. You know, and I then I noticed that man, happiness is not that. You know, like happiness is the journey, man. It's wake up like today, I didn't have jujitsu. jitsu I did I don't have a money right now, but I went, I did the trails, I see the nature, I breath. Oh my God, feeling great. And sometimes you have money, you have everything, and you feel empty, you feel miserable for sometimes. And I think I'm not, like, when I talk to people, I'm not trying to tell them I'm right, you're wrong, because that's what I think most jiu guys do. I don't know if it's a selfish thing kind of deal, but I, I feel that people say, man, I'm the champion, you are nothing, shut up and listen to what I'm saying. And that's good, because, of course, you know a lot. By going through the hard work and everything, you learn a lot of things. But that doesn't make you God or something, you know? And if you if you tell people that, man, you don't you don't have to be here with the medal to be happy. You can be happy right there, where you were. You know, and if if you I know it's hard to make people understand that, but but if somebody understands that, man, that person eventually is gonna be the one millionaire, you know, the one winning worlds and everything, because they're gonna just appreciate. The, the time that they have you know available for them, and yeah man I try, to, I, I try to tell that to people, you know man, just relax you know a little bit. Relax. I know it's hard, everybody's broke right now. Do you think it's just you? Do you think that's your, only your problem? Everybody's broke right now, man. but you have time. you know you, you last year you, you you complained that you didn't have time. now you have it, you know.
3: Yeah, everybody has lots of time right now. And what you're saying, I think it's something that hopefully it sinks into everybody's head because you are right, there's many millionaires and Hollywood celebrities that are miserable and they have all the power and fame of the world and it doesn't fill that void, right? Yeah, I'm
2: not telling you to be broke, please. Don't Don't be broke, don't be broke, don't lose all tournaments. You know, you have to win tournaments, you have to make money. But that's not the only thing you have to be looking for, you know? Yeah, and I think that is what
3: people should carry away from the martial arts, is learning how to be fulfilled or enlightened just by your own effort. And I feel like combat is a great way of knowing yourself and learning of
2: of somebody else. There's no better way. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, When it's hard, when it's hard, breathe. Breathe. When yeah. it's easy, enjoy, you know. But you have to understand, it's gonna get hard, eventually, you know. And when it's hard, you, you have to understand it's gonna get good, eventually, too, you know. So you have to understand the, the two extremes, right? Every single minute in yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, or in fighting, or doing yoga, or whatever. You, you're gonna face the extremes more frequently than somebody who don't do much. And then as soon as they have a little problem, they're going to freak out because they, they're going to think this is the end of the world, but it's not.
3: Yeah, I think that's
2: what's important
3: about the martial arts, because it puts you in front of dangerous situations very often. right? And most people, like you said, don't. And they, they're like, oh, I got my homeworks late on oh, the freaking out. It's like this, that homework means nothing. It's a game. Right. When you're fighting someone and trying to save your life by, <laughs> by defending yourself, that is the most important thing, to protecting your health. So yep. I, I, for me, it, the martial arts puts things in perspective of what's important and what's not. And like, f- f- to me, the most important thing is your health, because without your health, you can't appreciate anything. Right? You, you, you could have all the riches of the world. You could have great family. But if you're dead, you can't enjoy them and you can't you know, help them. So, like, you have to take care of yourself and your health, and I think is not just physical, but it's also mental and being being available. So, uh, the 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 chase for the medals, the chase for the money and for fame, these are all fun games to play, but they're not the uh, to me, they're not the purpose.
2: No, no right? that, yeah,
3: that's not life. Yeah, that's, yeah. Not life. Like that's said, something. Yeah, to me, like you said, the purpose is is happiness and. And that's different things for different people, but I think at the end of the day it comes down to loving something, whether it's your family or whatever it is your passion in your
2: life. And being grateful, man. Being grateful. You should not worry about the money that you don't have. You know. <laughs> if you don't have that money, that's cool. Make like learn how to make money, you know, but don't be worried about the money that you don't have. You, you know, know what it
1: is? It's we in modern society, we've created it perhaps this has always been the case, but now I think more than ever. We've created a number of hierarchies, you know, and it goes popularity, money. And I think that to discount these things, it's to discount being human. There's a reason why you want money. There's a reason why you enjoy popularity. There's a reason why you have vanity. It's part of being human, right? But, like, I think the problem is not so much that we have these feelings. The problem is that the hierarchy has been – it's off, you know the hierarchy ought to be well-being. It ought to be helping others. It ought to be love. It ought to be a being a better human being, a being a better coach. And I think at some point in that hierarchy, you're gonna throw money in there. You need the money. You need it's it's fine yeah, to want sure. nice things. It's, there's nothing wrong with wanting a nice house and a nice sure. car. But if that's what you go to bed thinking about every night, I have a hard time admiring anyone like that. Like when I look at like people that are just all about the money and the grind and making it happen and 12 hours a day just for the money. I have a really hard time admiring those people because I don't see anything in there in their behavior that makes me want to be like them. You know, like I could see I could see sometimes it's like it's the it's the coach that's teaching like the kids in the favelas in Rio. Those, I, I, I admire those guys more than I do the billionaires sometimes because I feel like they're actually doing more for the world in some ways. And I, I think that that's the real problem. It's that we have lost track of the, the of, 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 that there is a hierarchy and it is a good one. Now, right now, we got it sort of flipped upside down. That's how I feel about it.
3: Yeah, and, you know, just like you were saying, like, right now, money is the currency of power, right? And that's, everybody wants to be powerful in some way. But that's just something that we've agreed to. It's not like a universal law. Like, there's tribes out there in the middle of nowhere that have never heard of money or internet, and they have people that are very happy with their lives and fulfilled, and they've never heard of all the these structures that we've created, right? Like, oh, I have to be like the smartest guy. Or I have to be like, that doesn't exist for them. Their, their existence might be more simple. It's just about survival, about putting food on the table and coming into their, you know, their community and that's it. And, but they have a different meaning of what power is, right? For them, power might be like, I am the chieftain of my tribe or I have access to this. But right now, we have made it money here in the, the modern world and less and less people have it and <laughs> so it, it makes people frustrated right because they're like i'm supposed to have the money to be considered good but i don't have it and i don't know how to get it and if you look at like it's funny Ali, you were mentioned it but like if you were trying to sell guides on spiritual enlightenment or whatnot you would do far less well than if you were telling people how to get money like that one of the best sectors in business like on info products Is telling people how to make money. Essentially telling people how I'm making money off of you by buying my product. Yeah, I know. I was just going to (laughs) say. You know what I mean? But, like, I mean, there's a place for that. You know, of course, like, if you follow and you make money, that's great. But, like you said, I think the more important thing is about learning how to be happy with yourself. Right? And those are things that more people, like, shy away from. Right? Like, if if you were were going to do a seminar, like, if you if got out there and said, I'm going to teach a seminar on how to be a better Version of yourself, at least what I know about it. Maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't. Versus, Ali, I'm going to show you how to slam people on their head using uh, Haragoshi. You know, in the Jiu-Jitsu Circle, everybody wants to go to the Goshi Seminar, right? Then they're, they're not going to go. It, it, it sucks that that's the way it is, right?
2: Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, ma'am, a lot of times we're just trying to be useful. You know, we want to feel useful. We want to feel attractive. You know, we want to feel oh, my God, I want to like myself so somebody else can like myself too, can like, can like me, you know? So a lot of times, man, you just, gotta, you just have to understand, and that's self-knowledge, right? You mentioned that before. The more you train, the more you know yourself, the more you know how you react on hard times or easy times, and then you don't freak out anymore, and that's maturity, that's evolution. Like, man, I don't know. It's great. Like, I'm, I want to be great, you know, I want to make a lot of money. I want to do well. But on the other hand, like we say in Portuguese, I, I don't want to sell my soul for it, you know. And a lot of people don't know the the limit that they should go for, you know. And that's when they train so hard, they overtrain. you know. And that's us. We all do that, you know, in certain levels. Like sometimes I train too much and then next day I can't train. It's like, man, I just, you know my ambition to be good made me go over my limit, you know? So that's something, that's a lifetime task, man. As soon as you learn, you're not supposed to be here anymore,
1: you know? So that's why it's so
2: funny to, you know, to live and enjoy and approach everything.
3: Yeah, I think that's a
2: a great message there.
3: Uh, Ali, you have anything else that you want to tell our audience
2: and let people know about? No, man, it was great. It was great to talk about everything but jiu-jitsu, right? <laughs> we didn't <laughs> talk about jiu-jitsu, but we talk about jiu-jitsu because that's jiu-jitsu. It's, it's jiu-jitsu on a deeper level. It's the yeah, core of
1: jiu-jitsu. Is,
2: it's a deeper this,
1: layer. It's, that's this is, deep... Go, go ahead. When me and Dave, we started this, we always say, like, we wanted to talk about jiu-jitsu on a deeper level. It's just, not just about what's your favorite sweep, what's your favorite choke, you know? Like, let's there's, there's got to be more important things to be said and known for the audience than just, you know, your favorite techniques. So I, I think that this, this podcast has been a good representation of what we strive to do.
2: And and actually, that's what we do every single day. You know, as soon as we stand in front of the students, we're not just giving them techniques, we're giving energy. You know, we're, t- we're showing that that besides everything is bad, we don't have no money or whatever. or the fam- We have family problems too. We have job, we have other kind of problems too, but we're here for you. You know, I'm here with smile on my face, trying to make a day feel a little better, you know, because of the two hours I'm giving you or you giving me, I don't know. We're changing energy. You know, we, we're creating a, a, a healthy environment for everybody, for the world. And I think that's our responsibility, man.
3: Yes. Oh, very nice. Awesome. Uh, Mohammed. where can people
2: find you online, your YouTube, Instagram? Oh, okay. I have a I have an English YouTube, man, but I don't usually upload that much. But it's okay. called One Way Jiu-Jitsu. And my Instagram is at A-L-Y-B-J-J. And basically, that's it, man. That's what I do on YouTube and, uh, YouTube and Instagram.
3: And do you have any DVDs you're going to get ready to... <laughs>
2: <laughs> man, I want I want to do something to teach people how to throw other people, or at least to survive. You know, because I had a guy, man. He he would fly from London to here just to do grip fighting with me because they all start from their knees in, the, in his gym or his gym, and he wanted to compete. And I understand that's a problem, man. A lot of people they want to compete but they start rolling on their knees, you know? And, that, and now they're not really trying to throw anybody, but they just want to survive and don't, and don't freak out in 30, in 30 seconds. you know. So I kind of want to do something like that, but I don't have a date yet, you know? All right. Well, when that comes around, you'll have to let us know, because
3: <laughs> you're <laughs> cool. definitely one of the better throwers in the game.
2: Cool, awesome, cool, cool. Uh,
3: thank you very much for your time. All right. And uh, for our listeners, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace out.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you, Mohammed.
1: Have a good one. Thank you.
3: Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the
0: podcast. And like I said in the beginning, hopefully you learned something from it. Uh, If you want to follow Mohammed and see more of his uh, online uh, teachings and and talks, you can visit his social media on Instagram. You can follow him at Ali BJJ and on YouTube if you do a search for Muhammad Ali you'll find him there we also have a link in the description that will probably be the easier place to get it from and you definitely want to check that out and he has like I said his main channel is Portuguese but he also has one in English that you can find there through his link so go ahead and check him out and as always send us your feedback comments suggestions all that good stuff And we'll see you on the next one. A final word from one of our sponsors, the Kimura Trap System. You guys know (laughs) Mr. Kimura Trap. And I'm offering a coupon. If you use the coupon code KLDIS87, it's like an acronym for Kimura Lockdown, is 87. You will get $50 off. Your order, and again, that's both for the DVD and the online streaming edition. You just have to visit KimuraTrap.com and visit the order form there, and you can just punch in that code and save fifty dollars. The Kimura Trap system, of course, is eleven plus hour course. All the videos are easy to access, and has the mind map, the ebook, a bunch more. Pretty much anything you want to learn about the Kimura, you're going to find in there. There's, I mean, there's no other course out there like it, I was the first guy to really put out a really in-depth, detailed system that covers how to use the Kimura from standing, from your back, from the top, from the mount, back mount, half guard. Any position that you can lock on a figure four grip, I'm going to cover it and show you how you can use it. And not just the actual submission, but all the transitions and the ins and outs. So. In case you're not familiar with it, the Turn Kimura Trap is a concept that talks about how to use the Kimura not just as a submission hold, but rather as a grip. And that can be a real light bulb turning on moment for you if you haven't realized that yet. Where the Kimura, if you use it as a grip, it allows you to do just about anything. You, know, you can sweep people, you can take them down, you can reverse them, you can just you can manipulate them and transition to other submissions or positions. So it's, it, that's why for me, it's, everything revolves around the Kimura because it's such a strong grip. And particularly when we're doing no-gi grappling or MMA where you don't really have good handles for the most part, not like the gi, the Kimura is your best grip you're going to have. So again, use a coupon code KLDIS87 and visit kimuradraptop.com. I'm sorry, kimuratrap.com, there we go, <laughs> to, to place your order.